Good morning, everybody. My name is Rita Q and welcome to the Recovery from Relapse special focus meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Today is Tuesday, the 7th of December, 2021. And today I am delighted to welcome a friend and fellow trudger on this road to happy destiny, Susan G. Susan is, has been in OA since around about 1982 and she is going to share her experience, strength and hope around the programme with us today. Take it away, Susan. Thank you. Good morning, Susan, recovered compulsive overeater, calling in from Los Angeles, where it is 6.15 in the morning and the sun isn't up yet, but that is okay. I am always up early, not normally with hair and makeup done this early, but that's okay. Um, thank you, Rita, so much for asking me to be of service and thank you for everybody here today who's giving service and to my friends in Los Angeles who got up early and are probably snuggled up on their couches listening. Um, okay, lots of ground to cover. I have all my books out. I don't rehearse, so God will give me the words that somebody needs to hear. Um, first of all, to show you why I am here. Let's see. Okay, so as Rita said, I came to my first OA meeting either at the end of 1982 or 1983. And because I can't count, and I just did it on my, <laughs> on my calculator, I normally say I messed around for 16 years. It was actually 22 years. I don't know where I got to the 16, but that isn't what happened. Um, this picture on the left here is taken in Regent's Park. I was on a seesaw. I remember that I was gripping on for dear life. I was just mortified to be on there. Um, I struggled my whole life with my weight. I was the girl who got dropped off at the birthday parties and the parents were told don't give her any dessert. Um, I always felt a little different in my body than all the other girls and I became obsessed with food very, very early on. I remember at four years old sneaking and lying about food. I don't know why, but I did. So here I am, my top weight's 250 pounds. I will say that I know of because when you weigh that much, you certainly don't volunteer to get on the scale on a regular basis. Um, what I love about these photos, so here on the right, um, I'm at my brother Richard's bar mitzvah and it also happened I was turning 30. This dress, I lived in America at the time and there weren't many big size stores and the store I had to go to was a black tie do and it was called The Forgotten Woman. And underneath this dress, which weighed a ton, let me tell you, I had on a girdle, support tights and God knows what else. And I sweated like there was no tomorrow and had a rash in between my thighs for weeks afterwards. Um, and the one below was at a party that I had. Then fast forward, I just turned 60 and looking a lot better today than I did then. Um, the pictures down here on the left are when I first lost weight before Brazilian blowout was invented. So I still had my curly hair. Um, now I am blonder, I am older and I have straight hair. Um, over here up on the top right is my nephew, Zach, and he's actually turning 22 and moving into his own flat up in Manchester. I can't believe it. But anyway, the brilliant, the yes, Rita, um, the brilliant thing is he has never known me any other way, any other way. So what I do is just what I do. And that's just amazing. These two pictures here, the one in the middle was taken at a dinner two years ago. The other ones are recent. I was fortunate enough to go to an award show. 
Um, all of these clothes still fit me. I don't still have the outfits down on the left, but they would still fit if I still had them. Okay, so you can see that I qualified to be here. And I never set out to weigh 250 pounds. Okay, permanent, progressive, and fatal. And as I always say, the progression is really aggressive. Um, what I love, I was thinking as I was looking on all the faces this morning when I first came on, at the end of the forward to the fourth edition, you know, it talks about that how they're going to preserve the integrity of the literature. It's the last paragraph if you have your book. Sweeping changes in society. And I think about where we've gone these last two years. I wouldn't know most of you, probably any of you, because when I do go home to England, I'm in London and I go to a tiny meeting in Bushy where my sister is. And it's me and her and maybe one other person. One other person. So we've taken advantage of tech. So it says taking advantage of technical advances. For example, AA members with computers can participate in meetings online sharing with fellow alcoholics across the country or around the world. In any, and this is the part, in any meeting anywhere, AA, OA, share experience, strength, and hope with each other. In order to stay sober and help other alcoholics, modem to modem or face to face, AA speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. So my hope today is if you are struggling, that, you know, there are three parts to step 12. It says that I've apparently had a spiritual awakening as the result of working these steps, which I have. And as I quoted before, when I was sharing about the birthday party, you know, it says in our invitation to you, we've learned that the reasons for the illness are unimportant. And as soon as I took the hand of somebody else, I realized how unimportant they were because I wasn't trying to prove a point anymore. But again, that took me 20 plus years. What deserves the attention of the still suffering compulsive overeater is this, there is a proven workable method by which we can arrest our illness. And I hope this morning to share that with you. So as I say, the first part of step 12, I've spiritually awakened. And then we try to carry this message to others who still suffer, right? And it, that's the theme of this book. That's the theme of the 12 steps is to give this away. And most important as well, to practice these principles in all my affairs. So hopefully I can get all of this in of how my life has changed. You know, you would think that being embarrassed, being yelled at out of car windows, getting seatbelt extenders, and if you've heard my story, it, it doesn't change, right? So I, I don't have any new tricks of what happened. Um, every time I went on a diet, lost 10, gained 20, lost the 20, gained 50. I'll never ever weigh 200 pounds. I remember this so clearly, but I weighed 198. I can remember this on a weekend. And I thought, hmm, this isn't looking very good. This is, this is not good. And a day or so later, I was over that 200 pound mark, right? That bewilderment, that horror, that remorse, those four horsemen that it talks about. And like Bill Wilson says, you know, alcohol was not yet his master. So as I tell my story, listen for the progression, because that's what's so deadly and the fatality. And I'm so grateful today for 22 plus years of being sober with my food and behaviors and living a clean and honest life. You know, honesty is a spiritual action today. 
So I'm in a normal size body. I've lost over a hundred pounds. I don't say the exact amount because I know that women compare and despair. I have tiny wrists and size seven, seven and a half feet. So I probably weigh less than somebody else at my height, but who cares? I'm normal body size for me and I don't worry about it anymore. I don't wake up in the morning in angst, you know, thinking about what am I going to do today? Um, what I'm going to do today is get up at quarter to five in the morning, do what I need to do to get myself sorted to hopefully carry this message to 134 people. And what an honor and what a gift, right? Always humbling to tell my story, to remember how I got on that British Airways plane. It was probably still in the 80s and I couldn't do up the seatbelt. And I won't swear because this is being recorded, but you can imagine what I was thinking. And they come down the aisles. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I asked very quietly. I remember actually I didn't ask because I actually didn't know that seatbelt extenders existed. It's coming back to me now. And I remember I said to her, I can't do up my seatbelt. And I was so ch choked, so choked beyond belief. And not, with not much grace, she yelled all the way down the aisle, we need an extender on, duh, duh, duh. And I can remember just thinking, oh my God, for 12 hours, everybody's going to look at the fat girl. Everybody knows. And I can remember not wanting to move out of my seat. Obviously I had to, um, but did that stop me? No. Did that stop me? No, right? I didn't run out of any ideas. And that's what it tells me in here that I can't have any lurking notions. And I had many. Um, you know, it talks about that and more about alcoholism. You know, I, I made a start. So somebody, I'm not going to get into all the diets I did. I did all of the ones that you did and some. Somebody once said to me, have you ever tried cocaine? And I said, oh, no, I haven't. What is that? I came here very, very sweet and innocent to America. They corrupted me. And I said, oh, it helps you lose weight. So like a putz, I, I take some from this woman. And then a friend of mine said, Susan, if you get caught with this, they'll take your green cards away and they'll send you home. And I thought, I'm not having any of that. I'm not having any of that. I will stop. So I cease and desisted that very, very quickly. But one thing I do want to tell you, because this just shows you how hardcore of a food addict I am, right? I am a drunk with food the way Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson were with food. I am as hopeless as they were. I met a girl who told me that she had a dentist. He was her next door neighbor and he was willing to wire our jaws shut for $300. And this was 20 plus years ago. And I said, oh, what does that mean? She said, we well, won't be able to eat, so we'll get thin. So there Susan goes, not investigating anything. So I follow her over and I go there. And I want you to know that think of a sewing needle, right? With a little piece of thin cotton. This is wire, right? Willing to go to any lengths, right? I wanted to be thin. There was nothing spiritual and no God going on in this. And he wired my jaw shut with a needle and wire, sewed up my teeth that they were like this, okay? So it gets better. In three months, this girl at 200 and whatever pounds I was at the time did not lose one ounce. One ounce. Why? Because the minute she left, I left. 
I chose to go there. Please remember that. I was crying, sobbing. How has this happened to me? How has this happened to me? One more time, the victim, like it talks about in the big book. Well, in America, by then, I had learned that you can just drive through everywhere and eat. Nobody sees you. And every day I drew, drove through places and got lots of cold stuff and sipped them through straws. It's a lot of maintenance to stay that big. And I did it. So that's why I know I belong here. And that's I don't tell you that to be a superhero, to be dramatic, but I hope that you identify. And if you're having any lurking notions about if you belong here, first of all, there are 15 amazing questions on oa.org. And actually we're gonna have a session on those questions at the birthday party of if you belong here, if you wonder. And I know I can, sorry, check off every single box, every single box without reservation. So, I came to my first meeting. It was either the first year that I lived here. I met a girl, a gentleman in the world, a diet guru called Richard Simmons, and he used to have gyms out here. And everybody was all sizes, so I felt very, very comfortable, very comfortable, and I'm dancing around in my hot pink leotard, literally. And I met through somebody I knew. She said, we're going to a meeting about losing weight. Well, of course, I'm right in there. Little did I know it was something called Overeaters Anonymous. And I went to what was the OA home office in Los Angeles at the time. And there was over a hundred people in there. It was at the time when meetings were two hours, people could still smoke. They had coffee meetings. It was horrible. It was horrible. I did not like it. Everybody wanted to touch me and I, oh, and they're so happy to see me. And I'm thinking, you don't even know me. You're bonkers. What is wrong with you? So I sat there, I remember that the room was full and that there was a ledge at the back of the room and they had this free fizzy drink machine in the back and some of the people were hoisting themselves up on this little ledge and I remember I couldn't hoist myself up, I couldn't get my bum up on this ledge. So I stood for the two hours, very disgruntled, folding my arms. However, God launches a search and rescue for all of us and I believe today that that's why I came to America. Of course I came because I thought that everybody looked like everybody did in Dallas and on Knott's Landing and Dynasty and Donna Mills and all of those people with their big curly hair and their shoulder pads. It didn't quite work that way for me. However, today I do have a life beyond my wildest dreams and I do believe that God brought me here. There are no coincidences or mistakes. So after that first meeting, what I discovered was Everybody in Los Angeles is in a 12-step group, everybody. And at first, see, the thing that kept me out was I had a lot of righteousness and justification of why my life wasn't manageable. Because step one has two parts, right? I'm powerless over food. Well, maybe I can agree with them on that, maybe, but maybe I just haven't found the right day of the week or thrown enough money at it. Just because cocaine didn't work, it doesn't mean that something else won't. What about all those injections that I had in my bum? What about all those drinks? What about when I did Optifast and watched all my hair fall down the drain? What about when Nutrisystem asked me to do a photo shoot? Doesn't that make me special? No, it doesn't. I couldn't stay stopped. A girl like me needs divine intervention and only an act of providence can help me stay stopped. And it says in the AA 12 and 12, who cares to admit complete defeat, right? So they're really, really clear on this. And it says practically no one because all of my natural instincts are going to cry out against the idea of personal powerlessness. 
there's the identification. People just like me wrote these books. So I used to come in and out and I would buy these books and I would look for the magic page because in self-help books or in diet books, there is a magic page. I couldn't seem to find one in here. And people would say, well, just go away and read the book and see if you identify. I'm not going away to read your book. Um, and one of the things that really hits me, as it says, it is truly awful to admit that glass in hand, so bakery box, bag, cold stuff, whatever you have, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking slash eating that only, they're very specific in their words, only an act of providence can remove it from us, right? An entire psychic change. I have to follow a few simple rules. So you're gonna tell me when I've had 10 minutes, right? So um, I wasn't willing to take those steps. I wasn't willing to take the hands of anybody else who offered. Occasionally I would take a sponsor. They would tell me what I needed to do. I was thinking, I'm not doing this. I'm not sitting there to pray and meditate. I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm doing that. 17. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Let's zoom along. So I do all of the diets, everything. I had no problem believing in a God. However, I didn't know that God was available seven days a week, 24 hours a day and worked through me. I just thought he was available on Sunday nights when I panicked because work was coming on Monday morning, right? Because suddenly I had crossed that threshold one more time. So in between, I took a lot of spiritual classes. I've been to ashrams where I was told to clean toilets and all kinds of stuff. And again, I walked away, you know, thinking that this isn't going to work. And it tells me, um, hold on, I just lost my train of thought, that I am without defense against that first bite, right? And so what I had to see is on page 24, anything in italics here, they want me to know. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force. So again, I told you about that seatbelt, but that still didn't stop me. People asked me if I was pregnant. I lied. There was one time that I said yes, because in the 80s you had all those big puffy dresses. The memory, the suffering and humiliation, right? I couldn't remember it. We are without defense. And I, I just, I just didn't care. I didn't care. And then one day I did. I came home to the UK, no surprise, to a family event, to my sister's wedding. And I just, I broke. I broke. Something happened on that trip. We were having a brunch um, the day of the wedding. And I went to Costco in Watford, if anybody knows it. Which is kind of bushy Watford. And we bought all this food, and I think I can say food here, those big things of grapes that they have, those big plastic things. And they were on the floor behind me, and I was driving home from there with my dad, and I was just a wreck. Hadn't spoken to my sister in years, so much wreckage. I have beautiful relationships with my family today. By the time we got home, 10-minute drive, I had popped those grapes like pills and the whole thing was empty. And we got out of the car 
I have a large family. There's seven, there's seven children, so we did have two. There's a lot of us, and then people have friends and everything. And my dad just looked at me and he said, you need to go back and buy another one. I went, okay. And I was horrified, horrified. Now I had eaten amounts like that before when a certain royal couple got married years ago in the eighties, I had a party then and ate a whole turkey on my own and didn't realize, and again, this remorse and horror, I'm a quantities girl. So I came, I was, I ate horribly and behaved. It was just vile that whole trip is all I will tell you. I was vile and I gained over 20 pounds in that 10 days. All I could do was wear exercise clothes. Thank God I could keep on the dress I bought to wear for the wedding. And I was standing at Heathrow airport and through that announcer's voice, God spoke to me. Our flight is overbooked. If anybody would like to stay, we'll pay you whatever it was, you know, they give you vouchers. And I knew in that moment I had to get back here and I had to get a sponsor. I was broken. I was done. I was drowning. Quicksand was all around me, just like Bill Wilson That's says. That's funny to get you on track. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got back here and, you know, it talks about after we agnostics and everything else, we get into this chapter called How It Works. And as a lot of people will call it step zero, it says, you know, starting at the beginning that it says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I was finally ready to thoroughly follow this path, to listen, to not answer back. I can be very gobby, as we would say, and I, I can answer back a lot, but I was broken and ready. And more than anything, I was scared. I was scared now that I couldn't stop. You know, it says in the back here in one of the stories in my chance to live, it says on page 312, it never occurred to me that I couldn't stop. Every day I concocted some new method of staying sober. Then it goes on to say them. And then it says, with few exceptions by noon, I was messed up. I couldn't tell you my name. Now with food, I could tell you my name, but I was restless, irritable, and discontent. I was not thinking nice things about you. So, you know, I started to follow this simple program and becoming radically honest. And I've learned today that honesty is a spiritual action, right? The principle of step one is honesty. The tradition is unity. We are a fellowship of individuals and I'm in the center of the herd here. I, it, it doesn't matter, but Rita asked me yesterday late if I could do this because unfortunately she had a cancellation. And I will tell you, I went to a little holiday dinner last night. And at first I thought, oh, rubbish. Then <laughs> I thought, you know what? I cannot forget where I came from. And if one syllable that I say today helps that still suffering compulsive overeater, guess what? I can go to bed early tonight. It's all right. I'm up anyway. I'm just doing it a different way around this morning. And then it's says our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like i lived in self-will what happened i found the god of my understanding and what we are like now i am happy joyous and free is every day wonderful absolutely not but today i have a solution i have fellows i have my best friends are in these rooms if you have decided, so I made that decision. I made that decision. 
you want what we have. So what is, what do you have that I want? You've had a spiritual awakening. You've had an entire psychic change. You've ceased fighting everything and everyone and are willing to go to any length to get it. Work these steps because your knickers are on fire, not like they are, but they are. Then, and as my friend Janet B would say, then and only then are you ready to take certain steps. You know, it, it talks about those ABCs at the end, you know, our descriptions, we're alcoholic, could not manage our own lives. Probably no human power could have relieved me. So all of those places where I went and threw money, I couldn't identify with them. They couldn't identify with me when I came back a week later and had gained 10 or 15 pounds. But God could and would if he was sought. You know, step three has five parts. I, I can't go into them all now, but you know, if you, every sponsor does it different. Between pages 60 and 62, 63, before you get to step three, if you change everything into the personal pronoun and read it out loud, wow, wow. Same with the bedevilments. You know, I, my, I'm just going to touch on this very quickly, but my mum was schizophrenic. She was also one of us, and I didn't grow up with her. My, my dad raised us all, you know, very, very fortunate. And these steps and the work that I did here got me curious to try and see if I could have a relationship with her. That's an act of providence. And I saw her a little bit, obviously I didn't live close to her. Um, and she was my, my diet friend. I started dieting with her at a very young age. My mom was five two and she was either anorexic or morbidly obese. And it was all about getting a prize if I didn't eat. And I, I did reward myself for years that way. And today I don't. The spiritual nourishment I get here is tenfold of any item that I could buy, any. You know, if I get this, I'll stop eating. If I do that, if only he'll date me. And every time I got thin in between and tried to stay stopped, it was through inappropriate behaviors and it got worse, never better. Um, my mom became a recluse. She basically, I think, ate herself to death. And three years ago, she um, was found dead in her flat in Marble Arch. And she led a very, very sad life. And what was sadder was that nobody knew that she was there for many, many days because she had shut the world out. And other than mental illness, I do believe that this illness killed her. And I tell you this because I know that we are better together and together we can do what we can never ever do alone. And more than anything, the fact that I could feel sadness and cry and talk to my brother and sister who we have the same mom, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. I had no anger towards her. I grew up so angry towards her about her mental illness. She didn't ask for it. She didn't ask for it. That is a miracle. That is an act of providence. That's the age of miracles that it talks about in the big book. And it says that should you wish them, it's a whole paragraph, should you wish them above all else, so if you want what we have and be willing to make use of our experience, that's a condition, there's two conditions here already, we are sure they will come. So I cannot water down this message. They say in AA, carry the message, not the alcoholic. 
I say I'm recovered because today I have neutrality around food contingent. There are many ifs, right? So I do today what I did when I first came. A girl like me, I weigh and measure my food when I'm at home. I don't take a scale out. I, a couple of items I can't eat, but I go out and I look like any other thin girl who pushes away the bread basket in Los Angeles. I spread this message of hope as much as I can and as often as I can. Because of everything that you have all given to me, I cannot give back enough. I'm on the LA board, I chair the birthday party, not because I'm a superhero, but because I truly love OA today. This girl who cringed and did not want to be a part of this group loves everything about it. This life I have today. I, I just can't say enough, and that's where it says, the age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. And I'm just going to close and say, please keep coming back. We hear this is the last house on the block. This is it. This is, this is it. But you won't get thrown out. That's the good thing. They never threw me out, so they won't throw you out. And it talks about at the end of one of my favorite chapters has always been Keys of the Kingdom. And I know I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But she talks about how her life in sobriety has been rich and meaningful. I've had many my share of problems, heartaches, and disappointments because that is life. But today I get to live life on life's terms with the God of my understanding, right? God sprinkles fairy dust over me every single day. Just look at all of you, 134 people. And I come to meetings so that I don't forget where I've been, where I am today, and where I haven't been yet. So this meeting isn't doing the work, the tools aren't doing the work. Doing the work is placing my hand in the hand of another, of another recovered compulsive overeater who took me through these steps and then I keep on going and I keep on going and the chain never ends. And then she goes on to say, I have a wealth of friends. I am so rich in my heart with friends and love. You know, I'm a total Disney princess. I thought I would come here, get thin, get married, have four or five children, and onward I would go. It hasn't worked out that way. But that's okay, because again, God has given me other things. And it says, through mutual pain and despair, and later through mutual objectives and newfound faith and hope. Oh, she says, because she says, to these people, I'm truly related. And it says, as the years go by, working together, sharing our experiences with one another, and also sharing a mutual trust, understanding, and love without strings, without obligations. We acquire relationships that are unique and priceless. She says, now there is a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved in return for a bottle, or we could say bakery bags and boxes, and a hangover, we have been given the keys of the kingdom. I feel like Alice in Wonderland when I come here. You know, in step three of the AA 12 and 12, it talks about how you can crack open the door of willingness and you can always crack it open a little bit more. I remember when Alice fell down the hole, she's kind of looking through the keyhole and I think it's the rabbit who opens the door for her to the tea party. So I'm so glad to always be invited to your tea party. I do have my cup of tea here. I might have to turn my camera off to do a, a refresh. So I don't rehearse what I'm going to say. I hope that something has made sense. I know that this is available to each and every one of you.
that we are all miracles. And I'm going to close there. Thank you so much for allowing me to be of service this morning. Well, Susan, thank you so much. That was wonderful as always. What a message of depth and weight brought to us today. I'm going to just read quickly from a late start, a story out of the big book. I always ask God to show me something that's pertinent to the speaker. And it says, as it is, this is on page 543 of the big book, as it is, AA, OA has filled my days with friends, like Susan, laughter, growth, and the feeling of worth that is rooted in constructive activity. My faith in and contact with my higher power shines more brightly than I dreamed it could. Those promises I thought were impossible are a viable force in my life. I am free to laugh all of my laughter, free to trust and be trusted, free to both give and receive help. I am free from shame and regret, free to learn and grow and work. I have left that lonely, frightening, painful express train through hell. I've accepted the gift of a safer, happier journey through life. We'll stop the recording there.